Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, demystifying HR and people management. I'm your host, Susan Nay. Although I promised you a month of podcasts around career choices, silly me, people are on vacation and they've got other important things to do in their lives. So although we'll continue with career choices after today's podcast, you have me and the very important topic of conflict and conflict resolution today. Albert Einstein starts us off with his quote, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. And most of us consider conflict difficult. So considering it as an opportunity is actually a really healthy way to approach conflict in our lives. That said, many of us, most of us, I would suggest, are conflict avoiders. And we really do have have a tough time seeing it as an opportunity. I don't think it would be much of a stretch to assume that At some point in each of our careers, we've all been party to or impacted by different conflict-laden situations. Individuals not getting along, someone not pulling their weight, colleagues not showing up on time, or at all, poor behavior, rules not followed. That's only some examples. And all too often, these situations get tolerated, ignored, excused and otherwise not dealt with. I've been in situations that allowed me to address such issues and others where I've been stymied in doing so, but I've also been the avoider and the leader who didn't act in a timely manner. I know that not dealing with situations that create conflict is not a good thing. And I also know that dealing with conflict is one of the toughest responsibilities that individuals who oversee people face. We don't teach these skills well. Many of us really don't learn effective conflict resolution in our formative years. This spills over into our work environments and the outcome is not good. Gary Harper in his excellent book, The Joy of Conflict Resolution, Transforming Victims, Villains, and Heroes in the Workplace and at Home, encourages a different approach. And these skills are applicable throughout all aspects of our lives. I was lucky enough to learn from Gary while at Royal Roads University, and I've just reread the book. He reminds us that every conflict provides the opportunity for learning, growth, and enhanced relationships. 
that opportunity. I'd like to take today's podcast to share some of Gary's insights, because I know they work. Now, Gary notes in every conflict situation, there's always a victim, a hero, and a villain. We experience all of these at different points, and in many situations, we play all three roles at various times. Gary had us do a a role play exercise, and it sure helped me see how the person I considered my villain, to use Gary's terminology, saw the conflict, saw what was happening, because I was, in their mind, the villain. And so it helped me see the part that I was playing in conflict because we do all play a part. Being willing to see the situation from the other person's perspective is very helpful in understanding where they're coming from. It's really also helpful in building empathy and collaborative resolutions. How can you remain a villain when you're prepared to listen deeply and you take the time to understand the other's perspective, the other side of the conflict? You can't possibly look like a villain when you act this way. You don't have the villain characteristics anymore or lessened anyways. As I say that I'm taken to a situation that I was in when I was working as a consultant, I'm usually able to build pretty positive working relationships with the union stewards and officers. In this particular case, I wasn't. In reflection, I know he likely felt that I was as inflexible as I found him. I felt a matter had been dealt with. He didn't. As such, he was not willing to move on to a matter I needed him to work with me on. Perhaps if I had been willing to revisit what he felt was still unresolved, we could have moved on more positively. This stuff takes work, and we're not always perfect at it. What is important is that we learn from what didn't go well and attempt to do better next time. Thomas Crum provides us with very wise words. In a conflict, being willing to change allows you to move from a point of view to a viewing point, a higher, more expansive place from which you can see both sides. Conflict avoidance happens all the time. We've all done it. We tend to like people and we want them to like us. Having to call someone out on their behavior leaves many of us quite anxious. So as such, we need to truly understand our own triggers. We need to be accountable for our own feelings and our own reactions in conflict to be able to stay present and to be emotionally able to listen to things that we might disagree with and see the conflict through to real resolution. We need to listen really deeply to get to the root of the problem, not just deal with the surface. Now this means that we need to stop and pause before we react, the power of the pause. Kevin Cashman talks about this in his book, The Pause Principle. Grow the whole person to grow the whole leader. I quote from the book overview, pausing to gain fresh perspective and transcend immediacies is the key to leadership excellence in today's complex dynamic world. An antidote to our addiction to speed and transaction 
pause is a conscious, intentional process of stepping back to reflect and deliberate and then lead forward with greater clarity and impact. Rather than merely doing more, we must learn to pause and do things differently in order to grow, achieve, and innovate. In the book, Cashman, Cashman provides the reader with real tools and practices to make pause a pragmatic practice of deep, reflective inquiry for focused problem solving and engendering creative insights. All of these practices lead to purposeful change and contribution, an essential part of a leader's everyday life, and definitely a more likely outcome of conflict resolution. And we're so quick to jump to assumptions, particularly if the perpetrator is someone you've experienced conflict with before. I'm reminded of the excellent work of Byron Katie, particularly in her book, Loving What Is, we, where she encourages that we ask ourselves the following questions when making those assumptions. Is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? How do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? Who would you be without that thought? I use a simple example. Your boss seems to be ignoring you. Your internal gremlins may start their negative talk chatter. You must have done something wrong. She just doesn't want to tell you that you didn't get the promotion you applied for to get the picture. And what does that do to how you are now feeling and presenting? Our self-talk can take us into some pretty negative places. These simple questions help us reflect further and get us back on track. While taking that pause, these are good questions to reflect on when dealing with conflict. Back to Gary, who reminds his readers that every person has basic human needs of independence, belonging, recognition, and respect. For any of you that know the Maslow's triangle or pyramid, uh, this is the core, this is the base of the triangle. Many conflicts arise as a result of these basic needs not being met. As an example of someone not feeling heard, they act out and they get the attention that they're seeking, albeit not in a positive manner, but they're still getting that attention. So what might be really going on beneath that poor behavior? Gary also asks us to consider the moment when he calls it the knife went in. So when did the knife go in for you and the conflict that you're involved in? What was the trigger? He shares that in conflict, we judge our own actions by our motives. We judge others' action by the impact that they have on us. Can you imagine how you would feel if someone asked you what you intended by what you, by what you did or said, and then told you the thinking behind their action so that you both understood the cause and effect? Or if someone shared with you the impact on them of your actions, and asked you how the event impacted you, wouldn't that be a healthier, more productive dialogue? Conflict resolution is about relationship building and all our need to be heard and understood, to have options and choices, to be given reasons and to be treated fairly. Once we were able to listen to someone's story 
without feeling the need to make it conform to our own view, we open the doors to valuable understanding and that improved relationship building. Now, this all makes sense, and I'm certain that we each have lots of but what ifs, and the experience of having the best intent to do conflict resolution well, and it going offside or awry. In Gary's book, he addressed the best approaches when you experience reactions such as, and I'll give you some examples, defensiveness. And he describes defensiveness as behavioral response to a perceived threat or attack often to one's self-esteem or well-being. We all do it. I caught myself becoming defensive the other day unnecessarily. I went there before I'd even realized it. It was my reputation at stake, which is obviously a trigger for me. What might defensiveness be hiding? Keep curious. Justification is another one that we often hear. And apparently it's usually a result of a person feeling misunderstood or unheard. Again, keep curious and listen. And then there's denial, which Gary shares is usually driven by fear of repercussions, perhaps of job security. Deflection is a sidetracking technique to get you onto another topic. It's important to keep focused on the one that you are intent on resolving. And then there's blame and counterattack. Sometimes here it's important to acknowledge the other's perspective and perhaps agree to discuss their issues separately and then keep focused on what you need to address. Withdrawal, that's a tough one. It's important to emphasize your desire to solve a problem and not attack them personally. You need to build on your patience and persistence to build enough trust for the person to engage with you. Parenting is a learning lab on this one, whatever. I've experienced all of the above. They are tough to deal with. They take practice to manage well. Do your best. And don't beat yourself up when you feel you could have done better. You're dealing with matters that are creating conflict and that is what's important. The fact that you're dealing with them. Gary also addresses when people take positions as an example. That's not in my job description, so I'm not gonna do it. Yes. You probably have the right to direct that whatever it is be done. Instead, can you see this as a signal that something else is going on? It isn't going to go away. What else might be going on for that individual? Better to find out than to let it fester. Dialogue allows for more than one perspective and creates room for everybody's story, everyone's story, including being able to express your own needs. We're talking about collaborative conflict resolution here. Now, there are times when a directive approach is appropriate. We just tend to rely on the directive approach too frequently and often inappropriately and create the disengaged work environment that the statistics note when we could be building, not breaking. I've been the boss that says, could you have this done by the end of the day, please? Really more a statement than a question. Taking a moment to check in with that support person, letting them know my needs and checking to see what else might be on their plate would actually be a better approach to truly build team and mutual respect. I know it means slowing down a tad. I also know the time and the resources that these conflicts take out of time that we would rather be spending differently and more productively, 
all of us. Finally, Gary suggests that we use what he calls the DES statement. Descript for the D, make it factual. What are the facts? Express, which is the impact of the behavior, using I statements, not you statements, as you statements tend to elicit blame, where I statements indicate the personal impact. And the S is for specify about what we need or prefer. As an example, Susan, this is the third time you've been late this week, factual. This office relies on you to be here to open the office at 8.30 a.m. I need you to be here on time. This opens the conversation and makes clear what the conversation is going to be about. Finally, Gary provides five points in summary as the steps to collaborative conflict resolution. One, set the stage. How are you going to approach this? And deal with any elephants in the room. And that's the stuff everybody sees but nobody talks about. Two, sharing our stories. How do you see the situation? Three, creating an agenda. What do you need to discuss and resolve? Four, exploring interests and needs. What do you each need in a solution? And five, solving the problem. What are the options? And who will do what, by when? Lots of great reminders and tips for collaborative conflict resolution. I'll put the names of the books that I've referenced in the show notes page for this podcast. There are many excellent courses available to help us find those right words, process, and timing for the required conversations. Because when we don't have these conversations, the individual is sometimes unaware of the need for change. And our inaction creates ripples because others are also likely experiencing the undesirable situation and may be suffering as a result. It is important that we learn to do this well so that when our life circumstances necessitate conflict resolution at work, in our sports teams, with our families and our friends, we can appropriately step up. So are you willing to consider the other person's perspective in a conflict situation you're currently struggling with? When you deal with conflict, are you really able to listen to what the other person is saying without interrupting before they have finished? Might conflict situations be indicators of your own blind spots that get in your way? What are your triggers? Do you know them? Do you know that about yourself? And are you willing to try some of the tips outlined in today's podcast with huge appreciation to Gary and his book, um, The Joy of Conflict Resolution? If you're interested in contacting or connecting with me, my contact information is on the show notes page for this podcast. You might also enjoy my book, Leadership Inside Out, Effecting Change from Within, available on Amazon. Because it's all about leadership and what we can do as individuals to demonstrate those skills. I hope you found today's session interesting and helpful to listen to. I'll be back again next week, yes, with another interesting career guest. I hope you'll join me again as you, you guessed it, dare to soar. Susan signing out. Bye for now. Have a great day, everybody. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review 
whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.